Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The rising tide of gun violence in Chicago is reflected in several large cities across the U.S., and some have called it a colliding crisis with the COVID-19 pandemic. So who can we turn to for solutions? In her latest piece for The New York Times, The Trace, and other publications, Northwestern University journalism lecturer Ariane Nettles turned to Black Mothers. It's called Black Mothers Are the Real Experts on the Toll of Gun Violence. And she joins us now to tell us more about it. Ariane, welcome back to Reset. Thank you, Sasha. We're also joined by two of the Chicago mothers Ariane interviewed. Ches Smith is a mother of four children, including her stepson who survived a gunshot wound in 2008 as a teen. She's also founder of the Girls in the Hood Foundation. It's a program teaching teens about reproductive health, sexually transmitted infections, birth control, and more. Ches, thank you for making the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And also with us is Natalie Manning, a mother of three children. She co-founded and is executive director of This Is Life. It's a nonprofit organization that provides opportunities for young people to participate in the arts with the goal to deter them from violence. Natalie, so glad you could be with us today. Hi, Sasha. Thank you for having me. Ariane, I'll start with you because you spent about eight months or so speaking with 15 black mothers across the country about the toll of gun violence. Heavy stuff. And your piece was co-published by The New York Times, The Trace and several other publications. So talk to us about how the piece came together. So actually, everything started with my editor at The Trace at the time, um, Okoto, and she had this amazing idea to kind of focus on Black mothers. So at the time, this was last summer, we were seeing a lot of protests around the world, but especially, you know, around the country. And we saw different mothers groups being kind of profiled. You know, I saw a group of suburban moms in, you know, Portland, for example, and everyone was online and on Twitter sharing videos of them saying, this is the most powerful thing I've ever seen. Well, being a Black mother and being a Black woman, I see Black mothers in the churches every single day and have seen them, you know, for decades. We've seen this for years and years, stemming back past this, but the most common examples we can think about, like the civil rights movement. And we, and we see them being at the forefront of trying to keep communities safe. And so I just really wanted the opportunity to highlight their thoughts, the work that they do, and what would make them feel safe. Yeah, you write near the top of the piece, you said, when George Floyd was murdered last summer, the Wall of Moms, which is a group of mostly white suburban mothers, received significant media attention for the statement that they made when they protested his murder. And you said you couldn't help but think of the relatively little recognition of the work of black mothers who have long organized against police violence, as well as the violence happening in our communities. Absolutely. We see black mothers on the corner, fearlessly standing up for their communities and making sure children are safe. And we see this all the time. And so it's often the mothers who live in those communities who are doing a lot of this heavy lifting because they're sick and tired of whatever is happening and things not being safe. So we know that Black mothers have always been very fearless. We, of course, welcome other mothers getting in the fight as well, but we know that Black mothers have had a huge hand in making Block by Block 
people feel safer. And what about the mothers that you spoke with for this piece? Give us a quick overview. Who are these women and how has gun violence shaped their lives? So I talked to a variety of mothers, um, some who were very directly affected by gun violence, some who have lost children to gun violence, and also some who just fear it. And I think overall, even though people had may have had different ideas of what needs to happen in their communities based off where they live, how they grew up, everybody just wanted to feel safer. It was just really the tug on perhaps maybe not feeling safe, like maybe more police is not always the answer. How do you feel safe? Like, what is the answer to make you feel safe in your own home, in your community? And I think that everybody had amazing ideas and perspectives. The ages range from women in their 20s to women in their 60s. And so we just have a wide variety of amazing women with their own personal experiences to share. All right, I'm going to turn to you now, Chez and Natalie, because both of your lives have been touched by gun violence right here in Chicago. Chez, your stepson survived a gunshot wound, but the incident was life-changing. So can you tell us more about what happened to him and what recovery has looked like for not just him, but for the family? Well, yes, um, he was shot in the head in the Woodlawn community, you know, years ago, over a decade ago. But the effect still stayed with us today. Prior to him being shot, I hadn't really experienced someone that close to me, you know, being shot. Of course, being in the community all my life, South Side, we know that that wasn't something abnormal. You know, we've dealt with this and lived with this for all of our lives, but that was the first time it affected me personally. It really taught me that it's devastating when a parent loses a child um, in any manner, but especially in a violent manner. But there's something to be said for families who are left behind to deal with children who didn't die, but they may have some debilitating issues. You know, these kids are in wheelchairs. These kids are living in rehabilitation facilities and things like that. And the family is left to try to put the pieces back together. Mm-hmm. Um, my stepdaughter was integral in the recovery process, and she was just a few years older than him. I feel like she really sprung into action. She's a prayer warrior. I call her one of the best that I've ever seen, and mm-hmm. she's a kid. But just dealing with diminished mental capacity now, and that leads to poor choices, poor life choices. And so that's the major thing that we have had to deal with. You know, we still love him, but he's just not the same person that he was prior to. And we have to talk more about funding and things going into victim services to help the parents and to help the family in the recovery process with these kids. Chez, something you said a a moment ago stuck with me. You you were talking about the South Side, which is where you're from, and you you talked about how, you know, it had been normal, right? But you hadn't experienced it personally until what happened to your stepson. And in the piece, you also said we kind of get lumped into one category since we're on the South Side, like there's something that we're not doing right. Can you Mm -hmm. expand on that a little bit? Well, you know, I think when other people are looking at Chicago or even people in Chicago, you know, there's this narrative, hey, don't go on the south side, you know, stay in the downtown area. You can go to Hyde Park and that's it because of the violence and things, the perceived things that are going on. And yes, I mean, we do have violence. I'm not going to downplay that. But I think that there are some amazing people, you know, moms every day who get up and go to work and try to do the best that they can for their children and 
And I think that that part of the conversation gets overlooked. I think that we have a lot of great young people in the city who are doing great things, and it kind of get overshadowed by the negative. Natalie, you lost several students to gun violence when you were working at a charter school. What kind of impact did that have on you and your school staff and the student body? And where did you all turn for healing? Well, I think it took a toll on you, if that makes sense. Because no one, regardless if you're a child or not, we're still all a village, if that makes sense. And to hear about a child losing their life to gun violence is just, it's very heartbreaking, and it could be overwhelming at times. And sometimes you end up taking that home with you, you know, worrying about thinking about it over and over again and thinking about your own children. Like, that could have been my child. And so I think what the staff really did was try to check up on each other to make sure that we were okay and also just find ways and solutions to try to prevent more children from being harmed. Ariane, in the piece, you talk about how the priorities of people who want to reduce the presence of officers or defund the police, how they're often framed as being in tension with those of black people who want their communities to be safer. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think that there is a huge misconception that people who want, you know, resources reallocated from the police department to other funds or other types of resources for those communities, that means that those people don't want to be safe, right? When in all actuality, you know that these are often the people who are most affected by gun violence. So why would they not want it to be unsafe? You know, I think about my own family and the people that we've lost to violence. None of those cases were ever solved. I can't even recall the police department coming to us to even try to see if we were okay. So I could understand, like, but I know that there are, you know, community groups who might have helped us. And you think about those things where it takes a lot for a community to thrive and to be safe. And I think that many people have found that the police department alone is not the answer. And so it's not necessarily that those people feel that they don't want things to be safe. There's not attention. They just want to be open and they want people to think about other options for safety and how that could look like truly reimagining what safety can look like. Because one thing we know is that what we have been doing is not working. Natalie, you just mentioned solutions. So tell us what you would like to see to deter gun violence in our area. Well, the youth, I believe that's who we need to listen to more is the youth because they're the ones that with the ideas, They're the one that can really tell us what they need. That way we can find more solutions and ways to kind of curb the violence, but also provide them with various activities throughout the city. I know they have like one summer Chicago, but really making sure that when kids are getting these various jobs, these are things that they are interested in, finding things that they love to do. I think that's some of the things that I believe, could solve some of the problems. I'm not going to say all of it, mm-hmm. but I think really allowing you to use their voices more. You mentioned creating monthly town hall meetings uh, with city officials and local civilians. Can you tell us a bit more about that idea? Well, I believe that if we could come together as a city, um, which you see we are very divided over many issues in the city, but coming together, having local town hall meetings, involving the youth, allowing them to use their voices, 
as well as like have some celebrity influencer come because that's a way to draw a crowd, especially for young people to come and really sit down and put our heads together to find a way to really try to curb this virus because this is just getting out of control. And, you know, you get tired of turning on the news every day to hear about some young person losing their life to gun violence. Chaz, what about you? What kind of specific solutions do you have in mind? Well, I think that the gun violence is kind of a symptom of the issues that we're dealing with in our communities, like poverty, um, lack of resources, lack of mental health services, even down to the food um, that's available for our kids in the community. So I would like to see us improve those things, like improving the overall quality of life for residents. That will go a long way in curbing the gun violence. I'm a big believer in grassroots change, good old-fashioned street outreach. Like Natalie said, talking directly to the youth. If we're going to provide services to them, we absolutely need their feedback. We need their input. Um, We have a hood youth council where we kind of do that kind of work. We need to get back to the basics, and money needs to be invested in community programs that target the kids at a younger age um, so that we can deal from the prevention end to keep them from even getting into that type of lifestyle. But we can't give up on our kids that are already in a lifestyle, right? We have to deal with the kids who may be carrying guns, who may be involved in gang activity. We can't just write them off. They are our kids. All of them are our kids, and we need the community to come together and deal with them. You know, we have to get over our differences. There's a lot of division in the city, a lot of finger pointing. And while we're pointing our fingers, our children are being killed. As Ariane notes in the piece, the rise in gun violence is perpetrated by both civilians and police officers. Just last month, the city of Chicago released body cam footage of two fatal police shootings. Natalie, what do you make of the Lightfoot administration's response to the issue here? You know, I I just... Sometimes I just feel like I can't wrap my head around it because sometimes I think they're overwhelmed and they really don't know what to do either. And they're trying to figure out solutions, but it's just like they're just going with, you know, the status quo what's been going on and what's familiar instead of reaching out and trying to really figure out what we can do to try to prevent this stuff from continuing to happen because it's becoming a vicious cycle. Jez, are there any changes that you would like to see within the police department? I would like to see some of the funding reallocated to community programs that are out here doing the work. But ultimately, I believe that the problems of the people should be and could be solved by the people. I think that the community needs to be more hands-on and creating a presence and being out here and showing these kids that we care. Yeah, absolutely. We need funding. I would like to see the Lightfoot Administration allocate that funding to organizations doing the work. Ariane, what other solutions did you hear from the rest of the mothers that you interviewed? They're from Houston, Atlanta, Mm -hmm. Oakland. What were they saying? A lot of mothers really were invested and brought up the idea of community policing or something of that nature where police truly know people in the communities that they are patrolling. That came up quite often. Um, And then similar to kind of the funding question, investment in mental health services, investment in jobs and resources, we often know that people turn to um, less than desirable ways to make money when they're trying to survive. So if we can train them and give them jobs, 
what kind of help could that be, right? How many people could we prevent? So I think a lot of it on the policing side, a lot of the solutions had to do with simply having better community communication and better relationships with officers. And then on the money side of things, really investing in the prevention of possibly making it so that communities are safer and that they have what they need to grow. As we wrap up here, Ariane, you know, as a black mother yourself, what did you personally take away from the time that you spent reporting and, and writing this piece? Because I know your son, like my daughter, is 14. Mm-hmm. So so this must hit home. It definitely did. And I think that I was really inspired by, you know, all of the mothers who I spoke with, because whether it was their work was in academia or community organizations, or supporting other mothers, everyone turned their fears and their trauma and their experience to better their community, right? And you always talk about how it takes a village. I really think that it inspired me to even further evaluate and think more about what I'm doing because this is my home. Chicago is my home. I'm not going anywhere. I'm a Southside girl. And if I want things to be better, then it's up to me too, you know? Like these ladies said, like we all have our roles. And so that really impressed me and influenced me even more to think more about my role in my community. That's Ariane Nettles, journalism lecturer at Northwestern University's Medill School. We will tweet out a link to Ariane's latest piece on gun violence at WBEZ Reset. Also with us, Chess Smith and Natalie Manning, both are Chicago moms and entrepreneurs personally affected by gun violence. Thank you all so much for joining us. And that's today's Reset. For more conversations about the topics that matter to you most, make sure that you're subscribed. And please take a minute to leave us a quick rating and review. Podcast apps like Apple continue to tweak their algorithms, and it really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again soon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.